0: And how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friend. Welcome back. I want to hear from you. So reach out to me, connect with me. I want to share your story too. I feel like there's so many people who are struggling in the world right now, lots of very lonely people and lots of poor mental health and just a lot of stuff going on. I know I feel like I'm purposefully taking a step back from things like listening to the media and the news because it's just so depressing. There's just so much going on and none of it seems to be positive and When we see a friend or a family member really struggling, sometimes it's hard to know what should we do. I think a lot of the time we feel helpless in how we can offer any kind of assistance, when we can see that somebody we care about isn't coping. What should we be doing to help? We want to fix and save and figure things out for people, but the answer is just to be there just to listen. It's actively inviting that person to share what they're going through and hearing that. Because sometimes there's just nobody, not one single person to talk to. The value of having one person in your life that cares enough to listen and is just there should never be underestimated. This chat with Anya is a look into the power of that one person. When you are a teen and you have lived your entire life in trauma and you have nobody there for you, Anya talks about how life-saving the connection with her school counsellor was, how it gave her a sense of safety that she felt nowhere else in her life. And how as a kid in trauma, she still to this day feels grateful for the time and energy this man was able to give her at her lowest point. This is my chat with Anya.
1: So the way that I grew up was in a very, very challenging environment. And I know now as an adult, that's not uncommon Um, When I was younger, I thought I was very uncommon, thought that I, I was very alone in the circumstances in the early stages. I grew up, I had dealt with physical abuse, psychological abuse, sexual abuse, and pretty much anything and everything in between there growing up. And a lot of that went on until my teens. So it went on for quite a long time. So some of it didn't, of course, but other things, you know, continued on into my teens. And then, of course, later in life, they things also kind of overlapped. And I'm sure you understand this, where you don't recognize something is abusive until you have something to look at on the other side and go, oh, that's not normal. I didn't know that wasn't normal. So that's kind of what I, I grew up with. Very challenging uh, dynamic with my parental figures in my life, and really not knowing where I stood, didn't really feel very safe, felt uh, destabilized, and also knowing that in the environment I grew up with, and I just want to be clear, is the people that raised me also grew up with severe dysfunction, so you know, it's this long historical generational situation that was, you know, now into my world, so I don't like to place blame on anybody except for the fact that it's, you know, it's it's a learned thing and we have to unlearn it. And how do we unlearn it until we know that it's not right, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And I was going to ask you about that. So how much do you think that your parents' childhood was affecting what happened to you? And you're saying that actually it's obviously
1: going back through generations in your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Generational trauma and generational abuse and generational, you know, alcoholism, you know, generational dysfunction that it really took quite some time for people to, I think, even recognize that something was wrong because also, and I'm sure you understand this too, that when we look at now, these kinds of traumas talked about, abuses talked about. Years ago when I was a child, We didn't often have child protective services coming to our house, you know, like that's not, it just wasn't a thing. No one was really calling on anybody because getting beat up by your parents or being emotionally neglected or abused by your parents was actually generationally common and normal. And so it wasn't something that was really looked at. And now kids are informed, younger kids are informed in school and other things like that things that are wrong so that they're able to see that. We didn't know that, you know, we didn't know, you know, I had my best friend down the street and her parents acted just the same way. We were like, this is just, a, this is how it is. We grow up yeah. like this. Yeah.
0: So. And do you think you recognize that you were struggling? I mean, although it was normal, did you sort of feel like this wasn't right?
1: I felt for sure that there were things that were wrong. And I think that really impacted my health later on in life because I was continually hypervigilant. And, you know, when you live in a world of constant hypervigilance or having to grow up quickly, you know, I was latchkey kid generation, you know, like fend on your own, find your own food, you know, that kind of stuff, things that, you know, it's fine. And I grew up very mature doing that but it also did not give me a sense of safety, a sense of security, a sense of, you know, healthy attachment. And I knew that, um, I struggled with that. I struggled with attachment. I struggled with not knowing like where my position was in life. Like, am I a child? Am I an adult? Do I take care of you? Do you take care of me? kind of situation. So I, I always felt very uncomfortable. I didn't feel right. I felt very depressed. I had a lot of anxiety, like a lot of anxiety. And I started mm. having panic attacks very early on in my life because of the amount of adrenaline and cortisol that was continually going through my body. So I felt, I felt pretty uncomfortable. But it wasn't until probably about high school, I started to really recognize the problem in all of it. And I think that also comes with how people develop from children to an adult, right? You have this sense of, we become aware of certain things as we develop. And as you start to become like 12, 13, 14, you start to see the world a lot differently than you do as a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old, right? There's a big change in your development. And I think that's what happened once I started to reach the age of like 13, 14 I became very different in my head. I became a little bit more mature in a healthy, mature way, not a forced mature way, but like a good growth. And then I realized, oh, this is is not right. And and this is not how it should be. And I actually went to a counselor um, in high school who saved my life. So, and I didn't tell my parents about it. No one knew about it. It was a private situation for me. And he basically saved my life. He was my, I always had a little bit of anchor somewhere if I knew that things were getting too crazy a lot of people don't have that so I feel like that's one of the reasons I'm still alive today because I became very suicidal I became very just not not well
0: yeah and it's amazing isn't it that that one person because sometimes I think that kids just have absolutely nobody right so they have absolutely nobody to speak to and it's terrifying when you think about that you think that Our homes should be safe and they should be a place where we feel a degree of safety and love. And Mm -hmm. the fact that so many kids have not one single person to talk to, that you found this one person and what did that person do for you? Were they explaining your situation or was it just a a way for you to download what was happening or what was that situation?
1: (laughs) That's a good question. So it was really being seen and heard, you know, because when you're a kid and you speak up, a lot of people don't see or hear you. And that's something right now in education, they're really trying to work hard at. Uh, Like there's authoritarian figures, you know, like kids have voices, they have things to say, and we need to listen to what they have to say. And at that point, I hadn't really had a voice. Like they talk about, for instance, like, younger girls where, you know, grandpa wants to hug and touch, or they're forcing their child to like kiss and hug an aunt or kissing. It doesn't have to be a male person. It doesn't matter. It's like you have autonomy over your body. Right. And when I was younger, there was no autonomy. Like if somebody wanted to hug me and kiss me and touch me, you know, it was like you, you, you know, you follow the adults. And I feel like in that relationship with that counselor, which I actually reached out to him a couple of years ago to let him know how much he impacted me, it was that he heard me. He didn't question me. He actually didn't make me feel like I was wrong. I think he understood, like, even if my perception wasn't right, like, even if I was mishandling what I was experiencing in my head, he wasn't going to make it out that it wasn't like that he was going to hear me find out what i what i was experiencing and then address it however he felt like he needed to address it but i asked him not to talk to my family i asked him to please just keep it between us because i didn't feel safe to to share that and he never actually went past those boundaries because there wasn't at that point there wasn't a lot of major safety issues because during that time is when my parents were separating so There was a separation and it looked like things were going to get safer. So he didn't actually interject, which was nice. So being seen, being heard, being validated, especially by a male, which also kind of shocking to me, you know, it wasn't a woman. I grew up feeling that women are more nurturing, which is just naturally something we understand, you know, not that men can't be nurturing, but often, you know, we gravitate towards women as nurturers. And so to have a a masculine person in my life make me feel safe was really another level for me of like, oh, men can be amazing too, just as much as women, you know, that whole gender thing leveled out for me. And I I wasn't scared of reaching out to safe men anymore, which was great. Yeah, absolutely. And what a relief, though, that what a relief
0: to be able to sit and speak to somebody in that safe environment it's just like yeah I can just sort of feel that you know it's like because there isn't anybody else there is there there's just this one person and that you know that and I think that's the problem and a lot of kids don't want to share stuff is because they think well they're going to be dragged into somebody's office and their parents are going to be there and I've heard it on this podcast you know people have shared something and then all of a sudden it's been told to their parents and it's a nightmare so just having that is is um it's like a real little turning point in your life
1: I think isn't it I don't think I'd be here today if I didn't have that at that at that crucial part in my life like every time I think about that It literally makes me want to cry because I could have taken such a different direction if I didn't have that secure attachment with somebody, if I didn't feel the safety with somebody outside of my family, right? Like somebody, because it's easier to deal with attachments in your family, but then to know that there's somebody outside of your family that is actually like willing to, in a way, advocate for you, even if they're not interjecting was super huge. Like I really don't feel I'd be as emotionally um, solvent. I don't feel like I would have grown in the way that I did without having that platform to jump off. He gave me that 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 launching pad to really be have a pretty decent life. And we need that. It's one of the reasons why, like podcasts like yours and you know other platforms where people are working with people, they don't understand the impact. One episode can have, one connection can have. I mean, it can change somebody's life permanently to a better space.
0: Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at My Big Love Project, and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.